Hi everyone, my name is Eric Land. And I'm Alec Levesque. And today we're going to talk to you about creation and antiquity. Ancient thinkers had a lot of different ideas on how the universe was made. While it would be impossible to go through them all at once, we're going to give you a few theories that we found interesting. We're going to be talking about thinkers such as Hesiod, Xenophanes, Empedocles, Lucretius, and Virgil, and how we can apply some of the things that they said over two millennia ago to some of the theories of the universe that we still talk about today. Finally, as we go along, we'll talk about how some of the, these thinkers related to each other as well. And if you have no clue who any of these people are, don't worry, you'll have an idea by the end of our discussion. To keep you from waiting too long to find out, we'll jump right in. We start our journey in ancient Greece, where a lot of people made the claim that they were the one who knew where we all came from. With so many theories flying around at once, as an ancient Greek you've got to wonder, which one can you trust? Well, our first thinker, Hesiod, believed that while he was tending to sheep on the top of a mountain, he was approached by the Muses, the daughters of Zeus from Mount Olympus itself. While we don't know exactly when Hesiod was born, scholars have found him to be active between 750 and 650 BCE. Hesiod claimed that the Muses told him all about the gods in one big family and how as generations fought each other, they formed the world we know today. And these gods were very protective of their power going so far as to eat their own children to protect themselves from being overthrown. Unfortunately for Kronos, he didn't eat all his kids, and eventually one grew up to overthrow him, Zeus. While that may sound all fine and dandy, the story had a catch. Hesiod says that he was told all of this by the Muses, but they also told him that they might just be lying to him, and that he was too stupid to figure it out. So basically he just threw his credibility out the window? Pretty much. But don't worry. Hesiod wasn't the only one who had something to say about how the universe was born. Going forward in our journey through antiquity, we move on to the pre-Socratics. One particular pre-Socratic thinker that was not only influential at the time, but still is interesting to think about in contemporary society, is Xenophanes. Xenophanes was a poet and a philosopher born around 570 BCE in what is now Turkey. He rejected the traditional views of the Olympian gods, such as are found in Homer and Hesiod. He essentially thought that there was a supreme, non-anthropomorphic god who controls the cosmos by thought. He rejected divinity in the view that natural phenomena, such as rainbows, have divine significance. And back to the point about Xenophanes rejecting the traditional views of the Olympian gods. He was quoted saying, Praise the man who, after drinking, behaves nobly, in that he possesses memory and aims for excellence, and relates neither battles of titans, nor giants, nor centaurs, the fiction of our fathers. There's no use in these. From this perspective, Xenophanes uh, seems to be looking forward and away from the traditional views of gods and creation. So what does Xenophanes mean when discussing these traditional views? Well, he pokes at the idea that every god in every classical story is always modeled after humans, with the characteristics and forms of humans. Xenophanes was well aware that, as humans, we are far from perfect. So why would the gods, who are supposedly beings that modeled perfection, choose to be like us? Instead, Xenophanes talks about this one supreme god as being nothing like us in thought or form. Remaining in this non-human state, he believes this supreme god created everything in the universe through the will of his thoughts, and that everything on the earth that has come into being came from earth and water, including us humans. Attributing the creation of things to elements was not uncommon among ancient thinkers. Another pre-Socratic thinker who thought this way was Empedocles. Born in Sicily around 492 BCE, Empedocles was a philosopher, a medical man, and a very flamboyant figure. More importantly, however, 
He developed a serious and complicated theory of the cosmos and the place of the human beings in it. Empedocles basically said that there are six elements that make up the cosmos. Earth, water, air, and fire, as well as love and strife. You're probably already familiar with the first four of these elements, but what about the last two? Love and strife? Empedocles splits these six elements into two categories. The first four, earth, water, air, and fire, he refers to as the roots of the world. Empedocles basi basically sees these four elements as the ingredients that make up everything in the universe. However, something has to be doing all that making, and that's where the love and strife come in. From Empedocles' view, everything in the universe that is mortal passes through generations of mixing and separation by love and strife. At their beginning, these things all come together into one being that he refers to as the cosmos. And eventually, under strife, they grow apart and form, quote, all things that were and are will be in the future. This includes everything from plants to animals to humans and even to gods. Speaking of gods, Empedocles had a unique perspective on his place in the world. One interesting observation is that he claimed remarkable powers for himself. He was even quoted saying, I go about you an immortal god, no longer mortal, honored among all. Bit of an ego if you ask me. Moving on from the pre-Socratics, the next big thinker that we find interesting is Lucretius, who wrote The Nature of Things. Unlike the pre-Socratics, Lucretius was Roman. He took a much more scientific approach to creation. His theories essentially suggest that there can't be any gods. And this is really for several reasons. One of Lucretius' arguments that denies the existence of gods can be seen in the nature of things when he says, again, where would the gods find a model for creating things? He moves on by saying, and how did they discover atoms? He also claimed that the universe had to consist not only of matter, but also of emptiness or void. For if there was no emptiness, then nothing can move since matter would be everywhere and would be a block all in motion. Going off of that, Lucretius also said that everything in the world was made out of tiny little particles he called atoms. Sound familiar? Turns out Lucretius got some things pretty spot on for a guy who lived over 2,000 years ago. He also wrote that nothing could be made out of nothing, and that nothing could be turned into nothing. While that may sound confusing, we can look at something a lot more contemporary that says something very similar. The first law of thermodynamics states that matter can neither be created nor destroyed. This is pretty much along the same idea that nothing can just come up out of thin air, and it can't disappear forever either. Looks like Lucretius knew some thermodynamics back in his day. What's even more interesting is Lucretius' criticism of previous thinkers. In fact, Lucretius talks about, specifically talks about a thinker that we have already discussed today, Empedocles. Lucretius criticized Empedocles and thought he was, quote, far afield from truth. There are several reasons why Lucretius denied the element theory. To start, he thought that this theory didn't consider the void and therefore couldn't account for motion. Secondly, he states that earth, water, air, and fire are all subject to decay, and if they were responsible for creation, then the entire universe should have de decayed and been born again by now. Finally, he says that these elements often fight each other rather than work together such as fire and water, in which case one overcomes the other. Ultimately, while Lucretius does concede the idea that we humans cannot grow without the presence of these elements, he argues that other things are fed in other ways. He attributes the great variety of these other things and their sustenance not to these elements, but to different combinations of the same fundamental atoms. To prove his point, he makes a fantastic simile in his writing. 
Furthermore, all through these very lines of mine, you see many letters that are shared by many words, and yet you must confess that words and lines from this one alphabet have sundry sounds and meanings. Letters only have to change their order to accomplish all of this, and still the range of possibilities with atoms is greater. So rather than thinking of these elements as the ingredients of the universe, Lucretius suggests that we turn this logic around and see these elements as some of the products instead. Another interesting Roman thinker to talk about is Virgil. Unlike Lucretius, who outright rejected the idea of gods, Virgil thought that gods were very present in everyday life. He discusses their presence in a series of books called the Georgics, which on the surface appear just to be a simple farmer's manual. When you take a closer look, however, you can find much more about Virgil's, Virgil's opinions on the, way, on the ways of the world. For example, Virgil didn't have the positive view on gods. He thought they caused hard times and anger amongst people. We can see this in Virgil's Georgics, where he says, It was Jupiter who put the deadly poison into the fangs of serpents, commanded the wolf to seek and find its prey, ordained that the storm should cause the sea to rise and flood the land. Essentially, Virgil believed that in the beginning, Earth was essentially a paradise for humans, where we had everything that we needed. The god saw this existence as too easy, and thus introduced many of the hardships we know today in order to balance out our lives. Looking at all these theories together, we can see a lot of variety in the ways people used to view the stories of creation. Even today, that's still somewhat the case. When we look at Genesis, the story of creation told in the Bible, we can see some similar themes of creation coming from a god and it being specifically created for men. While it may not be as harsh as Virgil's perspective, and Lucretius would probably reject the idea outright, it's still interesting to consider how our modern views on creation would look back then. Speaking of our modern views, if you told the ancient Greeks and Romans that our whole universe was made from a big explosion, probably none of them would believe you. Maybe if you told them that you heard about it from a god. And that pretty much marks the end of our little look into some classical perspectives on creation. And it's really just a small window, like we mentioned. There's a lot of other thinkers that were going on about their own creation theories back then. Whether they believed in the gods or outright rejected them like Lucretius, they all stuck to their own perspective through and through. Thanks to listening to our podcast. And if anything struck you as particularly interesting, feel free to look further into any one of the thinkers we talked about today by picking up a copy of one of the works we talked about. If you want to hear more theories outside of the ones we mentioned, go and explore the other pre-Socratic thinkers, as there are a lot more than just Xenophanes and Empedocles. Thanks again, and enjoy the rest of your day.